Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome in, Late Kick on the Air. It is now Tuesday, September 8th, the year of our Lord, 2020. We've got an actual Power 5 game week. I mean, we got real tangible football coming on this weekend. So really excited about that. we got a jam-packed show as always. I've got so many bullet points that I've written down to talk about uh, before we even start topics tonight, and I can only get to a fraction of them. But the first, and always the foremost, is thank you so much for the success that you continue to let us have on this channel. The 24-7 Sports YouTube channel has continued to explode. We wake up every morning and see records that we set the previous day broken. Thank you so much for that. If you haven't already subscribed to the channel, a lot a lot, all caps, coming your way here. Also, the Late Kick podcast is doing phenomenal traffic. Thank you so much for subscribing there. The five-star reviews off the charts continue to deliver those. We're trying to get to a 1,000 and then some. So thank you so much for all that. Uh, we got a loaded show. I'm going to talk about the G5 potentially breaking through. I'm going to give you our conference and national championship predictions from 24-7 Sports. The entire staff had to turn them in. Deadline was last week, so we released those today. I'm going to kind of skim over the surface there, and I'm going to present maybe some notable things from that. I also wanted to talk about the ACC, and it is flat out the ACC's time. It's time. I'm not saying someone to oversee Clemson necessarily. I'm saying the entire conference, a lot of spotlight on them, deservedly so right now. So I think it's their time. And also Florida. You know, we got accused the other night of not talking about Florida enough. They won't be saying that after this show. So we got a lot to get to, but I wanted to start it off with this. And I'm talking kind of fast because I got a lot to get into the show tonight. Uh, Jim, one of our buddies from down in Louisiana, sent me an email the other day, and he said, I appreciate you not going down the political route and just basically sticking to college football on your college football show. Imagine that. That's exactly what we try to do. But he did say, I implore you, those were his exact words, to bring some attention to the Gulf Coast. And he's right. And we should have been doing this all along. And I've been paying attention to it off the show. I just haven't really talked about it on the show. But he is in Cameron Parish down there, Lake Charles, Cameron Parish. That area just got hit by a borderline Category 5 hurricane. They are in dire straits. There are hundreds down there, he said, that he knows about at least, that are still homeless. McNeese State is right around where he is. He said LSU has sent a lot of aid. He said uh, Louisiana Lafayette has sent a lot of aid. And he is specifically asking any college programs, any major universities that are around there or just anywhere that can afford to send aid, please do so. And you can find the proper channels with which to do that through. But also just if you're watching the show and you can spare anything in way of time or in way of money, supplies, whatever the case may be, uh, I urge you. You've done so much for our show. I ask you to do some stuff for our people down in Louisiana because they are very, very good friends of the show. Uh, 
I got a special attachment to Louisiana for reasons I've talked about on the show before. So they're going through a real tough time down there. So please, if you can help out our friends in Louisiana, please do so. And I'll continue to repeat that in our shows uh, over the next several days. So we've got a lot to get to. As I talked about, 247sports.com right now, you can go to it. I would imagine it's still on the front page. And we can show you our staff, our national staff's national predictions for this year. And so you can go there and read it. And I'm not going to necessarily go down everyone's prediction in every single conference. But I did kind of want to run down a few things. There were clean sweeps in two of the Power Five conferences, at least that are going to play. And uh, I'll get to those in a second. But the ones that I wanted to get out of the way real quick, like I don't talk about a lot of Heisman. I just don't really care about it. Never really cared about it. It's I understand why a lot of people have fun with it. It's just never been at the forefront. I've never done a Heisman episode on Late Kick, and I probably won't this year. But um, either Trevor Lawrence or Travis Etienne was a prediction for everyone. I picked Lawrence. It took me about two seconds. I picked Lawrence to win the Heisman. But outside of that, now let's start in the ACC. I'm going to talk about the ACC a fair amount on this show tonight. All Clemson. Everyone predicted Clemson. I don't think that's any surprise. And on top of that, not only did everyone predict Clemson, but also I think everyone was Clemson versus Notre Dame in the ACC championship game. Let's just pause. If I were to take you back to New Year's Day and I were to say, hey, I know the playoffs are coming up, national championship games coming up, but here is a bold prediction for you for the 2021 season. It's going to be Clemson versus Notre Dame in the ACC championship game. And then just stop. And what would people have said? What would you have said? You would Well, you would have had me tested, not for COVID, but for something else. But yes, Clemson versus Notre Dame. That's the prediction for yours truly, as well as everyone else in the ACC. And I think everyone picked Clemson to win the ACC. Yes, they did. So the Big 12, that's the one I'm really excited about because that's the conference that's by 10 miles, I think, the most wide open. I picked Texas to win the Big 12, and I picked them over Oklahoma State. I am not sold. As much as I've been pumping the future of Oklahoma, and you guys have been calling me a Sooner homer, naturally, growing up in Columbus, Georgia, I gravitated towards the Oklahoma Sooners. I digress, though. As much as I've been pumping the future of Oklahoma, man, I'm not sold at all on the state of the program right this second. So the state of the team, I guess I should say, right this second. So I picked Texas over Oklahoma State in the Big 12 championship game. We had three different conference winners predicted in this thing. It was a combination of Texas and Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. But the Big 12 could just be wild. I mean, it could be crazy. I'm really looking forward to the Big 12. I imagine we will probably talk Big 12 more this year than I ever have, period, doing any kind of college football coverage. SEC was all Alabama. Everyone picked Alabama to win the conference. Now, as for who Alabama would face in Atlanta in the SEC championship game, this is going to be a point of contention. I can already tell. Five went for UGA, including me. Much more on that in just a second. And two went for Florida. So out of the seven here, five are still rolling with Georgia. Now, I'm a privy to some behind-the-scenes inner workings of this because I participated. We did turn these in before Jamie Newman opted out. However, we had the opportunity to change our picks. It, I don't know how many people changed their picks, but it, we're still overwhelmingly on Georgia here. What does that mean? Probably not much, but I'm going to talk about that more later in the show. So stick with me there. If you've got a problem with that and you're on the Florida side of the fence or you're a Florida fan, stick with me on that. I'm going to talk about Florida a lot. In the AAC also a conference I'm going to talk about more tonight. This one was all over the place. We had three different conference winners predicted among the seven who were picking. Two went for Memphis, three went for Central Florida, and two went for Cincinnati. I'm on Cincinnati. I'm really high on Cincinnati, and I picked them to win over SMU 
Like, I think SMU could do some things this year. I think they have the best quarterback in the conference. I think they, to be honest with you, may have one of the best quarterbacks, if not the best quarterback in the state of Texas, in Shane Bouchelle. You could argue with me on that point, but I don't think you could argue they are a vastly upgraded team. I remember talking a little while ago to some folks at SMU, and, you know, they were they – were, we talked to Sonny Dykes, actually. We had him on the Social Distance series, and he was – more aggravated than anyone that college football season could potentially be canceled because he knew he had a good team. And they had kind of constructed everything and like they had it in place and then boom, COVID. So, hey, at least they've got their season underway right now. But SMU, I think could be a dark horse or a dark pony, if you will. Uh, Conference USA, it was pretty much all UAB. One went for Western Kentucky. I picked UAB. Uh, Sunbelt was a combination of App State and UL Lafayette. I picked Louisiana and Billy Napier to win that. But here is what I found most interesting. So the playoff, everyone has Clemson in, everyone has Alabama in. Bud Elliott has Clemson-Notre Dame, one and three. Now that's interesting. It's the same as it would be interesting if someone had a combination of like, um, you know, Alabama and Florida or Alabama and Georgia. You got to figure out, especially if it's Alabama-Georgia, because they play each other in the regular season, just like Clemson and Notre Dame play each other in the regular season. If both of them make the playoff, how's it happening? Are they splitting? Is one winning the regular season? Is one winning in the conference championship game? Or could it be that you know, Notre Dame loses competitively to Clemson two times, and that's their only two losses? Is that how it happens? Is there a random third team that pops up and pulls an upset somewhere? So Bud had Clemson, Notre Dame, one and three. Barton riding with Oklahoma State. He's invested heavily. Um, out with... What, you, what, what T. Boone Pickens was to Oklahoma State, Barton Simmons is now to Oklahoma State. So he's got them number four. Uh, Hummer, Chris Hummer, myself, and Trey all have the Texas Longhorns in the college football playoff. Marcelo put Cincinnati in, which answers, at least in his mind, a question that I'm about to ask coming up later in the show. First team out was tough for me. Uh, the first team out, I'll just read them in order. I won't even attribute them, but Texas for one person. Uh, Georgia, three people said Georgia will be the number five team. A couple of people said Notre Dame. I said Florida because as much as I believe in Georgia still, I believe in Florida too, man. I'm about to talk about it a little bit later on. So I've got Florida as the first team out, basically meaning it's anyone's ballgame over there. National champ, Bud Elliott picks Alabama. Brad Crawford picks Clemson. Brandon Marcello picks Alabama. Barton Simmons picks Alabama. Chris Hummer picks Alabama. Trey Scott picks Clemson. And I pick University of Alabama because of the Forrest Gump tie-in, of course. So those are the 24-7 Sports national predictions. Now, those are not the late kick official predictions of the season. I've been known to flip-flop notoriously on a moment's notice. So these aren't even my final predictions. I could change these things tomorrow. But I've talked about predictions coming on late kick, and we will have far more in-depth predictions coming up very, very soon on this here program. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, I want to circle back to the ACC. The ACC has been a punching bag outside of Clemson, South Carolina. They have been a national punching bag for a little while now. And I want to be perfectly clear. They deserve it. That is a deserved reputation. Uh, the conference outside of Clemson has been a wet bag of trash for quite a while now. Inexplicably so. But they've been just flaming hot garbage for a little while. And I think you deserve to be criticized just as, okay, we're done with the criticism. That was ripping the scab or ripping the Band-Aid off the scab. Now let's talk about the future a little bit. And I'm not talking about 2024. 
2020, starting in 2020 and beyond, we know one thing at least. We know teams and programs don't just lie down forever and just let you beat on them, even though it may appear that way because things move very slowly to the naked eye. But things are always evolving. So teams aren't just going to sit still. Like when Nick Saban and Alabama came in and they dominated for a couple of years, people didn't sit still. There was a little more rapid adjustment in the SEC than there has been in the ACC to Clemson, but people don't sit still. Remember when Southern Cal was dominating in the early 2000s? Remember how long it looked like it was going to take anything to derail them? And a few years later, what's happening? So Clemson's not going to continue to dominate forever. That's not going to happen. But the questions are, do they derail themselves? Does something pop up internally? Does a challenger or multiple challengers, uh, do they pop up in the ACC? So I wanted to talk about the potential of the latter happening here. They won't be down forever, will the ACC. But the question, if that's true, is who will it be that pops up? I still believe, as much as people are bullish on some other programs, maybe for good reason, I still believe that this effort's got to start in the state of Florida. The reason I believe the effort's got to start in the state of Florida is twofold. Think about this with me. If Virginia Tech, if we snapped our fingers today and Virginia Tech was a top 10 program, or if we snapped our fingers today and North Carolina is just a top 10 program, that's great and that could pose a challenge to Clemson, but that's a one-fold challenge. I'm focused on the state of Florida and I've talked about this for well over a year now. I'm focused on that state and Miami and Florida State being in that state and residents of the ACC because they could present a twofold problem. If you have a drastically improved product at Miami or if you have a drastically improved product at Florida State or ideally if you got it at both, then of course on the field in that season, they're going to challenge Clemson. That's not all that's happening. Clemson goes to Florida for a ton of talent. They don't go to Virginia for a ton of talent. They go south. They know where to look. And so two things could happen. Number one, if you've got FSU and or Miami rolling, not only do you start to challenge Clemson on the field, but maybe you keep two or three kids per cycle, per program home that maybe would have looked elsewhere, maybe would have gone to Clemson. And so what does that do? Maybe nothing. Or maybe it's the difference in a game-deciding touchdown two years from now. Point is, every time that you see Clemson come into the state of Florida or Ohio State or Alabama, but we're talking about the ACC, and they take one of those kids, if you're like me, you think back and you say, man, that would have been crazy to envision a generation ago. Kids, I mean, premier now, high four, five-star caliber talent leaving the state of Florida to go to Clemson? No knock on Clemson. It just, uh, not very many kids were throwing up the deuces to Miami and Florida and Florida State and opting for Clemson. But, This is 2020. This is today. So that's the reason why I think it starts in the state of Florida. Um, As for those programs, I don't know how you could have drawn any definitive conclusion on Mike Norvell. I understand optimism. I get all that. But very few people are openly pessimistic about a new head coach and a new regime before they've played a game. So Mike Norvell hasn't played a game. So, of course, there's optimism about him. I'm not saying I have anything to take away from that. What I'm saying is... I'm in the remains-to-be-seen camp on Mike Norvell. I think that's the only place you can be, really. We're not talking about a guy who hopefully can get you back to a nice bowl game. Remember the conversation we're having here? We're talking about potentially challenging Clemson. So you got that, but at Miami, it's a different story because Miami, they're now a couple of years in. At Miami, they've already adjusted to what didn't work. Manny Diaz, of course, bringing in a high-profile transfer quarterback and King. He brought in a new offensive coordinator. He hit the dump button, which I believe in doing. 
I mean, you got to have patience, but you also have to understand principle and understand when something's not working, and you got to be able to cut it loose. And Mandy Diaz cut a lot of stuff loose after last year and brought some transfers in. And I mean, they're ready to win this year, they think. Now, they still got holes on that roster. They still got big question marks on that roster, but they're good enough to win this year. And my point is, I'm willing to buy stock in the future of Miami. And I, while I could buy stock in the university or FSU, I had someone call it FSU, University of FSU the other day. I had someone call it that. And I, I shook my head. I knew what you would think about it, but I shook my head. I kept on moving. Um, I'd love to buy stock in FSU too. I just don't know yet. That's the whole way the stock market's played, I know. Um, but collectivism is something that a lot of people kind of try and throw at you. And I don't, collectivism's not going to get it done, guys. You can't have a bunch of pretty good teams and plan to knock off Clemson. It'd be great to have a conference full of pretty good to very good teams for my sake, because that would make the conference more entertaining. But there's some people who believe in Justin Fuente and Virginia Tech. Like I said with Florida State, like I said with Miami, Virginia is a program I wouldn't mind buying stock in at all. Louisville surprised a lot of people last year. But here's the thing. If they all just get to a level of pretty good, good to pretty good, that's great for the ACC. And that's great for the conversation we're having here. It's great for the TV product. Like, There's a lot of good that comes from that. But collectivism's not knocking Clemson off. You could have a lot of pretty good teams, and Clemson could run through all of them. Could. Now, it's, it's a tougher challenge. you got to bring at least your B to B-plus game every week. You can't be skating through with a C-plus effort and still win 24-13. to 13. But collectivism, I don't think, is the key to taking out Clemson. Collectivism just allows Clemson to lose a game and have an excuse to because their strength of schedule has improved enough. So that's what collectivism would do. Someone out of that group, I'm all for collectivism. I'm all for collectively the tide rising in the ACC. But in the meantime, Pitt, I left them off the list a second ago. Pitt, Virginia Tech, one of the Florida schools, Louisville, like someone's got to emerge as a legit top six, top seven college football playoff contender. And of course, right now, we would not refer to any of the other teams. North Carolina, I left them off the list. You can see, you know what? Let me responsibly do this. Pitt, Virginia Tech, Louisville, North Carolina, all those teams, Florida State, Miami, those are teams who, Virginia, you could reasonably look at and say, things are trending up there. If you were to point an arrow, red for down or green for up, you'd have a lot more green arrows than you would red arrows there. What does it result in? What does it, two years, three years from now, when we're looking at this, what does that result in? Who can be great? That's, that's all I care about. Who can be great? And I'll, to be honest with you, as much as I just talked about Miami, I'm not so sure North Carolina wouldn't be my pick there. If I had to pick a team, if you told me someone not named Clemson is going to be in the college football playoff from the ACC two years from now, and let's say Notre Dame is independent again, I'd pick North Carolina. They've, they've, they're good at quarterback already. They have got their future quarterback already committed and coming in. They have recruited very well. They have identified where they need to upgrade, and they're in the process of doing that. they got a really good vision. They've got a very good figurehead. Not figurehead. That's insulting. A nice CEO-type approach by Mac Brown as their head coach. They've got a good staff in place. They are killing it recruiting in-state, and North Carolina is a pretty darn good state to recruit in at a high level. That would be my pick. Wouldn't shock me, to be honest with you, if either of the Florida schools end up fitting that description. Uh, I'd be pleasantly surprised if it were Pat Narduzzi at Pitt. I'd be, you know, I'm still as far out on Justin Fuente and Virginia Tech as anyone is. I'm totally baffled by what the future will be there 
I have no educated guess on that. Not even an educated guess. That's the worst kind of analyst in existence. But that's what's up in the ACC right now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Let's transition and let's talk about a question that I've gotten a lot. I've gotten it a whole lot and I've always scoffed at it and I've been very elitist in my attitude towards the answer and things could be changing. That's what I'm saying. So I got a question, really a few of them that were along the same lines and it was for the Late Kick Extra podcast which we released a new version of, episode of, this morning. So go download that from the Late Kick Extra podcast. And we release every one of these shows to Late Kick Live. We release them in podcast form the following morning. So it pays. It pays to subscribe to the Late Kick podcast. But I had a few variations of essentially this question. So Army has already played. And Army painted the walls with someone who we will not mention's blood this past weekend. The question was, Army looked good Saturday. Now, without the Big Ten and Pac-12, could you see a G5-type team sneak in to the playoff? And the answer is, yep, I sure could. You didn't ask me if I'm advocating for it, because I'm that's a bridge a little too far for me right now. But the G5 could be in as good a position to take advantage of uh, this season, like the uniqueness that is this season, as anyone. So there are several dynamics in play here. And I want you to kind of follow along with me here and think about what we've talked about in the past regarding what it would take for a G5 team to make the playoff. And I've stated my reasons in the past where I was against it, but let's just talk about what it would take. So number one, what's working in G5 teams' favors this year is there are less roadblocks, of course. Even if you were to have auto bids for all the Power 5 conference champs, that's only three. You got the ACC, Big 12, SEC, okay. What now? So by default, you already see you've removed some of the hurdles. And of course, we know there aren't auto bids. So it could be that the Big 12 spits out a two-loss conference champ and maybe Memphis is undefeated, let's say. So things could get crazy there. You got less hurdles to overcome. The Big 10 being out of the way is a really big hurdle that you would have had to have overcome. It's already an unprecedented year. The concept of a G5 team making the playoff would be unprecedented. But I don't look around and see that people are having much of an issue anymore with processing the concept of something unprecedented happening. So if we were on the fence, if you had committee members on the fence and it was the night before and they had to submit their final four and you know Cincinnati is there in the running or Memphis or whoever's Central Florida and, oh, it's unprecedented, but whatever, it's 2020. All right, put them in. Could happen. If someone's already on the fence, that could be their decision-making process. You're going to get credit for playing, guys. If you look around and you have Power 5 conferences sitting it out and you're a G5, 
and you play and you manage to get through the entire season, people are going to give you credit. Uh, myself among them. People are going to give you a whole lot of credit. And it's almost subconsciously like there could be people, maybe on a playoff committee, looking to reward. Again, think about a fence rider. Think about an actual argument being made. Your undefeated AAC champ versus a two-loss conference champ or maybe uh, a one-loss non-conference champ. You could have a dynamic where people look and say, they deserve it. They deserve to be rewarded. Now, of course, that's not in the actual playoff criteria. But again, unprecedented 2020. Follow me here. It is far less likely. Here's the other I think dynamic that's in play. It's far less likely that we're going to have multiple Power 5 teams with elite resumes because of how tough the schedules are. In the SEC, they're playing 10 conference games. Do you really believe that they're going to produce an undefeated team versus an undefeated team in the SEC title game? I don't. I don't. Now, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, and the SEC would no doubt send two at that point if that were the case. But I think far more likely is you could have an undefeated or a one-loss SEC champ. Let's say it's Alabama, and then the next closest team has like two or three losses. And at that point, door's wide open for you if you've taken care of your business. And it, it's not a gimme there either. And I'm talking about the G5 because you're going to have to be undefeated. I pretty much believe you're going to have to be undefeated. And so there's a lot of round robin that's going to go on here. Army, the aforementioned Army, you look up and down their schedule, they still got to play Brigham Young. So that's obviously going to be uh, not, not the easiest task in the world, but they play Cincinnati too. And so Cincinnati's in this conversation, just like Army is. So one of them will knock the other off. You know you have SMU and Memphis and Cincinnati and UCF. They all play each other. Uh, someone will play again in a conference championship game. So you got to identify one of them. And they gotta they gotta thread the needle. They gotta run through that little gauntlet. And then if they come out on the other end, and any of them could, including SMU, any of them could, then yeah, could be in the running there. Um, someone asked about other teams like UAB in Conference USA, or like App State or Louisiana Lafayette. I don't think even an undefeated effort is going to get it done for them, only because I don't think the profile of the conference is such that it's respected enough. Like the AAC. Whether you buy into it or not, they've done a pretty decent job of marketing themselves. I really hope Aaron's not watching this as a power six. That's what they call themselves. But this year, they could just be like power four. They could work themselves into the normal rotation and still have room. So could I stomach this? I don't know. I don't know what the dynamic would be. I mean, what if we get, what if we get to the end of the year and it's just a train wreck and we're choosing between a bunch of two and three lost teams and then Cincinnati's undefeated? that point, even I'd probably advocate for him. So I'd have to see the circumstance, but um, cautiously, very cautiously, let me say here in early September, I could see it happening. Certainly I may even be okay with it. Possibly could be, we'll have to see. All right, let's move on. Yeah. I wanted to talk about Florida. Okay. So I had a question from Shane, frequent contributor to the show. And again, this was a question for the Late Kick Extra podcast, but I said, you know what? I'm going to take it. I'm going to use it on the show tonight. And so that's what we're doing. Shane says, I saw you picked Georgia over Florida, even though Jamie Newman opted out. Several others too. Why are people still down on Florida? What am I missing? I don't think you're missing anything, Shane. Number one, I'm not down on Florida at all. I picked them number five. I picked them to be the first team out of the playoff, which... Stands to reason, I think pretty highly of them. 
It was a coin flip for me, and by the way, still is a coin flip for me. Remember, these teams don't play to the 26th. I'm not at all against switching my pick here. So I'm still very much on the fence. I mean, there's a lot of intel and scrimmage reports still to be gathered from camps that are going on. I call it camp the whole way through, even though I know the definition of camp's different. But point being, I'm not even settled on this yet. So it's even if I am settled on Georgia, it's coin flip, absolute coin flip. But here was my thinking. And you may disagree with this. I think Georgia's got the only elite unit, side of the ball, entire side of the ball, in the SEC East. I think that's their defense. Now, I think a lot of people in Florida circles would push back and say, our defense is elite. And I would argue, I don't think it is. I think it has the ceiling. It has the potential to be that. But I don't forecast it as that. I don't think that's my default setting for their defense. But again, it has that potential. Georgia, that's my default setting for that defense. It would surprise me if they weren't one of, if not the very best defenses in the country. And so the reason that I thought that is because if I'm on the fence, if I'm comparing teams, and you know, I'm pretty coin flippish about it already, that's enough to push me over the top. Something like that. Knowing that I got something in Georgia's defense that I know I can just count on. Like unless they get decimated by injury or COVID and that could happen to anyone, I can count on Georgia's defense being there every week. And that's nice to know that I can lean on. But outside of that, man... No, I didn't really have, there are not overwhelming reasons. I don't have seven or eight pillars of intellectualism that made me side with the red and black. Absolutely not. Having said that, I'm here to talk about Florida. It is, without a doubt, the team I am most excited to watch in the SEC in week one, and that is the Florida Gators. It's the game that I'll probably try and go to, Florida at Ole Miss in week one. Think about this. All these other teams we're talking about, we're talking about Georgia a second ago, new offensive coordinator, new quarterback, that quarterback opted out, so now you got a new, new quarterback. They don't have those problems at Florida. They don't have those problems. Same offensive coordinators, same system. Dan Mullen's still there, so you had not transitioned to head coach. Kyle Trask is there. Emory Jones is there, so your top two quarterbacks are returning, and they're both viable. They'll both play, and they're both very good options. They are going to be as close to being the product they will be in week one as any team will be. So they could have their hiccups. I don't expect them to be a well-oiled machine in week one. Don't get me wrong. But what I do think we'll do is I think we'll look at Florida in week one and we'll be able to draw a lot more conclusions from them against a team that they out-roster, they outman, they should beat in Lane Kiffin's debut at Ole Miss. Not a cakewalk, but should beat them. I think we'll learn a lot about Florida. Hey, man, even if I end up picking Georgia to win the East, it could be after week one. I say, oh, hit the dump button on that. I'm not big on predictions, guys. I'm big on week-to-week predictions. I'm not big on season predictions. So I'll flip those things in a heartbeat. However, if we get to the end of the year and my predictions were pretty good, I will tout them all offseason in a pretty obnoxious manner. And I leave it to you to call me out on that. The SEC East, though, speaking of Jamie Newman opting out, and, and that was Shane's question. I mean, if you were on the fence and Newman opted out, like, how are you not siding with Florida now? It's a half-decent point. Uh, to further his point, if I were going to play devil's advocate here and I was going to side with Shane, the SEC East sure did change a lot last week. Sure did change a lot. I want you to think about something. So Newman opts out. At the very least, you've got offensive uncertainty at Georgia quarterback uncertainty, but overall I call it offensive uncertainty because even when they announce, I think they'll announce JT Daniels as starter, there'll still be offensive uncertainty there. Here's what changed. With Newman opting out and increasing the level of offensive uncertainty at Georgia, think about the cross-division games. Georgia plays Auburn and Alabama, and they play them in weeks two and four, respectively. 
So you got to have your stuff together in the first month of the season, first four or five weeks of the season. You got to have your act together already. Whereas Florida was in a more fortuitous position last week because the SEC East, as I said, it was changing. And I mean it was changing from a scheduling standpoint because while Georgia had more question marks enter the equation as a result of what happened inside their building, Florida had some question marks removed because of what was happening at LSU. Florida in the cross division plays LSU and they've got all sorts of question marks there. They play Texas A&M who had a couple of opt-outs last week and they play Ole Miss week one. So I think the craziest thing, the one that people wouldn't see coming would be this. There's the distinct opportunity for someone to lose in Jacksonville and still win this division. I think that would probably be Florida if it happened. Um, But a lot of stuff is going to happen to decide this division before these two teams play. That's what I'm trying to tell you. After they play, both of them should be favored in every one of their remaining games. Now, I know Florida goes to Tennessee at the end of the year, and a lot could change between now and then, and I don't think Dan Mullen's um, wish list included playing in Knoxville, Tennessee in early December. Having said that, I think someone's got to get it done in the early portion of the season. That's where the SEC East will be decided. This is Dan Mullen's most athletic team, in my opinion. It is his best team that he's had so far, in my opinion. And I think it's his most dynamic team. And I'm not just talking about offensively. I'm, I, although I do think they are the most dynamic version of the Florida teams that we've seen under Dan Mullen offensively, too, even at quarterback, to be honest with you. But defensively, the more I listen to Todd Grantham talk and look at the personnel they have there, the more I think that he's got as good a combination to do what he fully wants to do defensively as he's had there. So there are, make no mistake about it, Shane, a lot of reasons to buy into Florida. I have bought into them. It's just that I gave you my thinking there, and it could change. So we'll see. Uh, we got a lot to get to later this week. I mean, I tried to pack as much into this show as possible. Remember, subscribe to this channel if you haven't already. That's, that's an old-fashioned call to action. And every time I ask you guys, you do it. So thank you. We have hundreds of new viewers and listeners coming in by the day. And so I keep reiterating the things that you always hear me say. But find the Late Kick Podcast. Subscribe to that if you haven't already. Five-star reviews. Want to get to 1,000 over there. Very much appreciated. We'll be back here Thursday night, same time. Thank you so much for watching. For Director Colin back in Nashville, for Jordan on the podcast side, I'm Josh Pate. Take care and God bless. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.